I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Lone Star House of Design, produced and distributed by the team that brings you Convo by Design with another story about design and architecture from the great state of Texas. Kim Armstrong is a designer out of Dallas. She is fearless with color, and I mean that, absolutely fearless, surgical in her blending of materials and styles, and I'm a huge fan. I actually became familiar with Kim's work through a friend of mine in Dallas who's also a designer. And when a designer tells you that you have to check out the work of another designer, to me, that is, you know, there is no higher praise, and that is a suggestion to which I cannot say no. And I'm glad that I followed up because our conversation was fun, colorful, and I think you're going to enjoy it. This is Kim Armstrong. Except, except we didn't go to we didn't go to Marfa this time because I've already been. So, um, okay, I'll go back there um, at some point, but I have too much left to see that I hadn't right. seen yet. So I tried to get some other stuff in. Oh wow, that's great! I that's love great. that. And your wife is from Houston, is that right? She is. is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I've been listening to your podcast. I'm so I'm learning all about design. And <laughs> just, I'm like, I was like, you've got some big names. I just listened to the Martin um, Lawrence Bullard interview. I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting too because um, when you I've been doing the podcast now for seven years, and right. So in seven years, and I th- I I think. Um, the number of people who I've interviewed and who have appeared on it tops about 500. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of crazy. It's a lot of people. You've been, you got into the podcast early on, right? Or am I just so late to the game? Well, no, actually (laughs) I I got, I got into the podcast game very early. Um, design, I'm not a designer. Design's not my thing. Um, I am an, I am an enthusiast. And so, right. I started the, I, my background's in broadcast. So, um, you know, I built the podcast platform for Playboy. I was with CBS radio and doing digital audio for them. So I've been, I've been on the digital side of things for a very long time. Right. Yeah. But. Well, that's great. But what's really interesting is from a design standpoint, um, when I started this in, gosh, what, 2013, 2014, 2013, 14. 13, I think. Anyway, um, nobody else was doing this. There was, I think there was a, there were a couple, um, but they were really poor quality. Um, right. They were just kind of doing it into their phone, which at the time was a great idea. But, right. But now it's, you know, it's amazing. I was at, um, I was at KBiz yesterday. Okay. And it's really interesting every year to see at a major show like that, how, how the business changes and how more people are starting to, to do more with their, with their digital platform, with their content platform, with the, with the practice. And you know, what's funny though. You know what it reminded me of as optimistic as I am about that. It's crazy because the amount of pressure to try to keep up is even greater. It's Yes. And it's constantly changing. It is. It, yeah, it, and it, that's hard. Yeah. How, just when you learn something, it changes or the format changes. And you have to, you know, relearn it unless you have somebody on your staff full time if that's all they do. What's a staff? What's a staff? I have no <laughs> idea. What, I mean, 
I just I just say that because I hear other people have. Oh, no, oh, I have, oh. Okay. I have one awesome person, but yes, I mean, but yeah, I like am constantly learning, and so much of my time is just not even designing. It's you know, learning about what's coming and being inspired by the changes in technology. So it's really just it's it's interesting to see. I mean, I don't want to think of myself as old, but I used to develop film when I used to go to right? a client's house yeah. and take photos and have to develop the film. And, you know, oh, you got it in the Walgreens one hour and you get it the same day. And that was pretty cool, you know. But and now it's like you're out. You can instantly take a photo and email it. And that technology is, you know, older, but that's just how it's changed from developing film to this, you know, platforms and just you know, online and just the the whole way that technology has changed the business of design, not only on the designer side, but also on the consumer side. It's just really fascinating. Well, it is. And, you know, I'm, I don't know why I'm surprised by this, but design in particular, interior design, so slow to adapt to new technologies. Right. And I don't, I don't understand. Do you get that? Do you understand why that is? Yeah, I think um, part of it, that I, I think, as a designer, right, you, you take on a project, and it's, it's a development process for the designer. And I think that they're so involved in the art of what they do that, and it's a, it's tedious, and it's, long hours and people don't realize how much work is involved but by the end of the day there's not that much left into as far as how do I you know because a lot of us are small and how do how do I grow my business how do I use technology as an advantage in my business does that make sense no it makes perfect sense by the way I think it's funny that you said design as they I think with they not (laughs) you know you're part of that right yeah, I'm a part of that. <laughs> but I, but I have, I'm a part of that um, for sure. I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, I'm, I work 12, 14 hour days almost every week. I'm pulling up 12, 14 hour days. Um, and by the way, and, I, I have a question for you. Sure. How many hours do you plan to work every day? How many hours do I plan yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. So I have a, I have a. It's really interesting. After doing the show for, after doing Comfort by Design for as long as I have, and talking to designers as much as I have, I have found that, on average, designers, architects, creators in this space wind up spending about 115 to 120 percent of the amount of time doing the work that they've actually allocated for it. Which means, hundred oh, percent. Yeah. Which means you lose. You get paid less. Than well, what we think we're going to get paid. Well, you're making less, but it's also, yeah. even more importantly, it's taking time from the other things. You know, the me time, the you time, the yoga, the kids, the family, the trips, the dog, you know, walking the dog, whatever it happens to be. And 100%. I, right? And I think, um, you know, I've been on this quest. To, one of the things is to try to figure out why that is and how to make it easier. And I'm curious, what would, ma- what would make it easier for you? Well, um well, I, I have, um, I have a solution. I, and I, 
Now I don't want to spill too much because I'm I'm in the process, and not many people know this, but I'm in the process of developing something to overcome that um, for a lot of designers. Um, I think the the thing that would overcome that is making your business scalable, right? Being able to make money when you're not working. I mean, that's the idea, but how do you do that in the design world, right? Um, I think I have a solution, and I don't want to divulge too much because I'm in the process, and it's it's a platform-based business, and it's not just for me, but it's for other designers as well. And similar, I don't want to say Mozzie because that to me is not design, um, but something like that. And so that is, I think, the wave of the future of design. I don't think that the one-on-one personal design for elite high-end clientele is ever going to go away. I think that will always, always be here. But I think being able to take your designs based on your brand that you have built and the followers that you've built digitally and people that didn't think that you were accessible, you can now be accessible for. And I think that that is a wave of the future. Does that make sense? It makes per- it makes perfect sense. I'm just I'm okay. just I'm just bummed that all I get is a tease, but that's okay. I know. But that's okay. We'll we'll fix it. <laughs> You'll come back. We'll fix this. In the meantime, we will. And when I'm ready to, I will need you because you you know a lot of designers and they will want to be a part of it. Because that's the thing, right? Like, how do you continue to hold a high level of design product, right? Like a high um, product that you can put your name on and that you're proud of, but be able to get it out in a way and in a format that is scalable. Yeah. So I think that that's, that's the big question. I think that hopefully I can finalize all the details and build it, but I think that that would be a great way for designers once they have met, come to that level where they have a large following and that they, then they can make money as they sleep. Totally agree. Totally agree. And you know, what's you know, what's really um, fun for me is I, I started Lone Star House of Design because I've been doing convo by design for a long time and because I have roots in Texas and Texas is one of those places where you have this combination and intermingling and mixing of wide open spaces, disposable income, immense creativity, and an extremely independent attitude. Right. And And great resources at our fingertips. That's very true. That's very true. And um, I think that it's been really fun so far talking to creators like you uh, about the state of Texas in – sorry, the state of design in Texas. Tell me about, tell me about Dallas. Tell me about design. When did, when did you get started? Oh, when did I get started? Um, I think I got started in 2001. And, um, and I, I got my degree in interior design, um, kind of by default and, um, De- by deep, by default, did you just go default. in, you went into the wrong by class? Default. How did that, how does that happen? No. 
Almost. Almost. <laughs> so the story with that is that I was a major athlete growing up. I mean, my life was athletics. I did all the sports. Um, I got many scholarships to many schools. I ended up playing soccer and volleyball in college. And so sports is my deal. So I thought the natural path would be for me to go into kinesiology, right? It just makes sense. Of course. And I was in anatomy for, I think I was in anatomy for three classes. And I went, I was just like, I can't, there's no way. I, I'm not interested in it. I'm not passionate about it. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. But what I did know is that I wanted to do something that I would wake up every day and get excited about. And I always had a creative side to me, but it never shown like which the shining object because I was such an athlete. So I literally, my, I went to my um, student, you know, academic advisor and I said, I've got to, I've got to drop all these science classes. It's just not me. And I've got to redefine my uh, major. He's like, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, I have no idea. Send me home with the syllabus. Like, or is, is it called a syllabus? So they have all the classes yeah. listed and do a cor- like a course catalog, like a course catalog. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And this is old school, right? Yeah. And so, because this is the ni- 1990s. And so um, I went home and I literally like flipped through every section. And there were some, I'm like, I'm definitely not in the science section. So I just skipped that whole section. And I was like, business. And then it's on to the arts. And I was like, okay, fashion, I'm not really fashionable. And so I was flipping, drawing, painting. Yeah, that'd be cool, but can you really make a living? And I know people do, but that was what, I mean, I'm okay artist. I'm not great. And so I fell into interior design and I was reading through the course load and I was like, yeah, that sounds interesting. That sounds interesting. And I literally took it because I'm like, I know I can pass college. I know I can pass because this sounds interesting. I think I can develop a liking for it. And then I'll decide what I want to do when I grow up. <laughs> and so, so anyways, I started taking my courses and I loved it. Like I would stay up, I think I stayed up three nights in a row one time just working on projects. And I wasn't bitter about it. It wasn't, I was like, I am so lucky. I am not studying bones. Like I am so lucky. And so I would just stay up and um, work on my projects and do my art. And I just, I loved it. And so anyways, I came out and, you know, got my first job at a retail store where they promised that you would be a designer and you're nothing but, you just sell furniture. And I hated it. Right. And oh, it, was, it was miserable. And so I thought, well, I'm going to start my own business. You know, I think I was 24 when I declared I was going to start my own business. And I knew nobody. Like, I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any money. I think I started, I put two, I start. I like, I need a business bank account. So I took $200 because that's what I, I, could have and that's what I felt like I could afford and I put it in my bank account I'm like I'm going to start my business with $200 and a laptop computer and that's what I did and I just went out there and pounded the pavement and you know it grew and grew and I learned a lot and so now I have pretty I mean I'm busy every day now so I'm very fortunate and very grateful but that anyways that's kind of the story which is a little bit unusual I wish it was more romantic, you know? Well, it, what's interesting is that everyone has their own path. And what, yeah. what is also really fun is that when I talk to designers or design enthusiasts, you know, here in Los Angeles, be it either coast, L.A., New York, right. apparently no design happens between the West Coast and the East Coast. Did you know that? Yeah. 
That's what I heard. You know, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, nothing happens, and right. I, I am, I am, I. That is not true, and so that's kind of why I wanted to put a spotlight on design in the great state of Texas. Now, you're in Dallas. Yeah. And Dallas, I, I have a. I have a strong affinity for for Dallas. I spent what nine nine years in Dallas, two tours, two different tours. I was in radio at the time. And okay. What's really interesting about about Dallas is Dallas has an has an attitude, and Dallas wants to be cool. Dallas has has forever kind of been in the shadows of the old money of Houston and the and the the historical sort of presence of Fort Worth. But Dallas has always kept plugging away and always, you know, there's just sort of a, it's a, it's a bright shining star. No, no pun intended really. Right. But, <laughs> but what I, what I love about Dallas is it's, it reminds me of Los Angeles on a much smaller scale that depending on what part of town you're in, the feeling and the style and the design really does change, change. which is really yeah. cool. When I left there the last time, which was in, um, 2003 there was still a, a great deal of wait no sorry 2006 it was it was on the verge of of major transformation when i got there the first time everything was brick I, to to some degree everything still is brick brick is is a prevalent material right in texas probably because it's so plentiful and because it, it withstands weather and but I also see so much else happening. What do you think about the transition in Dallas with regard to style? Well, that so you so you left in two thousand and six. Yeah. So that was what in the height of the whole Tuscan era in Dallas, right? <laughs> yes. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Think. Yes. That was yes. So. So we have moved, luckily, we have moved past and beyond that. Right. And which is just great. But yeah, I think that you're seeing a lot more variety. You know, modern is um, really taking off in Dallas now. I know that California, I think, is probably a good three to five years, maybe more, ahead of Dallas. Because um, I follow a lot of, um, you know, designers on social media and stuff from California. But modern is, is, definitely huge but i think dallas also has such strong traditional i don't know i don't want to say lifestyle but you know it's kind of got that southern feel to it still and so you still so a lot of people still gravitate towards traditional so i think that you see kind of a mix of modern and um, traditional, kind of a fresh, new traditional as well. And then you have all the different um, pockets in Dallas. You know, you have your English tutor in Lakewood, and uh, you have kind of in um, Forest Hills, kind of have your artsy, uh, modern, meets eclectic. So, so I think it's kind of all over the map, which is kind of interesting. But we definitely it was during your period was so stylized. Everything that was going up was. Tuscan in feel. I 
Yeah, no, it, it's true. But what's interesting about about the city of Dallas, and I, I and when I say Dallas, I don't talk about the Metroplex, and I don't talk about Dallas and Fort Worth and Arlington. I talk about Dallas in particular, because right. one of the things that makes me absolutely crazy when people come to L.A. and they talk about Los Angeles as it, as if it was one city, <laughs> which it is not. We're 45, 46 different boroughs. Dallas is very much the same way, but what's really, or the Metroplex rather, but Dallas in particular, Sure. Was I kind of feel like the city was in its adolescence in the seventies, the Dallas Cowboys seventies, right? You know where, you know what I'm saying? Where the, yes. the, you know, the TV show was out. The Dallas Cowboys were on top of the world, and that's kind of like where where the attitude was set for right. the, for the city, and so. There's always been this experimental, you know, the music scene in Deep Ellum has always been strong. The, yes. The 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 Highland Park area, you know, I lived on the M Streets for a little while, and it just, okay, what a special place that is, and that is amazing. It is still is. What's that? It still is too. It's. The M Streets are just fantastic. Oh yeah, it's so you know, and every everyone probably has a story like this, but. My wife and I, we were renting a house. It was, um, what year was it? It was probably 1996 or seven. And we were renting a house on Vickery. And okay. Vickery is right in the middle of the M Streets. For those you know who, who may be out of town not listening to this, the M Streets are really interesting. It's the other side of the freeway from Highland Park, which is... Highland Park is where SMU is. It's just, it's where, it's where, all, where all the money in Dallas lands. And that's just, it's old money and it's been there forever. But the houses are huge. The schools are fantastic. It's just, right. it, it's the place everyone, it's an aspirational city. It is. And the M streets across that are between that and Greenville, which is just a, a fun loving street that runs from downtown to old parts of North Dallas. And this house was, it was a two in one. It was like 800 square feet on a, on a third acre lot. I mean, it was a huge lot and we were renting it and they wanted to sell it for $88,000. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And we, my wife and I, oh, that's, why would, it's too expensive. Why would we buy this when we can go to Valley Ranch and, and build a brand new home? And so that's what we did. And it, it turned out right. fine. It turned out fine. But I still think about that house on Vickery Ugh. all the time. Just, yes, was it an older home? With it was. Porch and yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And I'm sure it's not there anymore, but it was a it was a fun place to be and living down there at the time. But that's that's the thing that I think most people who are from outside of the area don't realize is that Dallas is heavily steeped in jazz and music and the arts, the the culture scene, the arts, the museums, the Nasher. I mean, everything that you have in the city right now. Dallas is a remarkable modern cosmopolitan city, and I'm curious to see how the um, how the design and architecture has changed with it. And a lot of a lot of the projects that you work on, a lot of the projects that you have worked on, is sort of explore all of the different elements. You talk about modern, um, and I I see that from some of your work, like your Lake Highlands mid century. When did when right. did, when did you finish that project? So I finished that project. I want to say a year and a half ago, possibly two years, two two to a year and a half ago. 
the pictures and that, the pictures that I see, I'm looking at the kitchen, and yeah, and it it looks open concept, but you're also you've got this really hearty blend of of materials, uh, terracotta floors, yeah, and big open kitchen. When you're putting this together, did did your clients just say, you know, do what you want with this, or did they give you direction? No, the the clients gave us direction by what the house was giving us direction, if that makes sense. So yeah. the, ter- the terracotta floors are somewhat original. Um, originally had terracotta floors. We added terracotta floors. And because they were hand done and because they were done so long ago, it was really hard to get a good match. But I love the fact that this this particular client was so interested on keeping the integrity of the home because it is a mid-century modern home. And, but it, it didn't have all the updates in the luxuries that we appreciate today, right? Like a big open kitchen and luxury appliances and um, that kind of thing. But yeah, so we kept the, um, the floors, the, the wood in the windows was stained um, as you can imagine, the terracotta floors and all wood stain paneling, that's how this house was and felt. And so we, we utilized a lot of what the house was already telling us. And the floor plan drastically changed, but we wanted to infuse some of those modern elements with the um, existing structure of the home. I, I'm sorry, I'm just sitting here looking at it. Who did you, who did you specify for that kitchen? Who did who did I specify? Yeah. For which product? Uh, so start with the appliances. Oh my gosh! Now you're gonna have to me. I, I oh dear. It's two years ago. <laughs> okay, fair. Well, okay, so I that's well, no. So you know what? Could so this brings me actually into a, into another thing. Do you interesting? Do you try to specify different? specifically in the kitchen with appliances, do you try to stay with what you know or do you try to specify, do, do clients have more input? Because many of the designers I speak to about the kitchens, the, the clients are sort of looking to them for who to specify on major appliances, unless there's one that just has something like Gen Air right now with their Rise and Noir lines. Right. They're just so unique that someone falls in love with it. It's like, that's what I want. You don't really have a choice. But aside from that, do you try to specify anyone in particular or do you go, do you get direction from clients? Well, it's a, it's a team effort and I usually starts with lots of questions, you know, course budget being one of the main ones, budget and then functionality. Um, so, so it's, it just depends on what the client's needs are, what the space, um, what the space will allow. I've done, you know, a couple that needed really tiny appliances and there's only so many manufacturers that make really tiny appliances. So there's just, there's a combination of different elements that go into specifying appliances. And, um, you know, I've done, you know, whole wolf packages and kitchens, which is such a dream, you know, to be able to do that. Um, but not every single client has a budget to do that. And so we look at, you know, maybe infusing one or two of those pieces, but, you know, where can we save and where can we hide <laughs> camouflage what we're not using? So it just, I don't know if that answers your question, but it's just kind of a broad range of different scenarios that go into it. Yeah. Do you have any, do you have any favorites that you work with? 
Um, I mean, Wolf is awesome because their customer service is amazing. You know, they deliver, they install their specifications, the sales rep that you use. It's fantastic. If I had to choose one, that would be it. Um, so, so that would probably be one of my favorite. But I just, I did a law I don't always pronounce this right. Law Yeah, yeah. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and so I got super excited about that because it's pretty, right? I mean, um, and that was fantastic. And I kind of designed the hood and, you know, the kitchen based, you know, like it's kind of like the color commercial, you know, I put the faucet and say design around this. <laughs> right. Um, it was, it was kind of that feeling. Um, so that was fun. So, yeah, I think that. And they're big chill. I've I've uh, did a little cottage, and so it, it's not. I didn't photograph it, but they have some really cool kind of vintage feeling appliances, and so I was able to do some things around that. So I think it's just really what the project calls for. What is what is the design community like in Dallas? Are you guys are you tight? Um, do you have any events that that really sort of uh, any statement events? Um, how, how do you, do you guys work together? Um, that's a great question. And I think it's going to be different for each designer that you talk to. Um, I'm in a stage in my life right now where I, I have very little things that I can put into my bucket. That makes sense. Cause I have a young family and I have hobbies and I'm running a business and, you know, doing design. And so I have very little time, but when I first got started, I was involved in a peer group, and I feel like the the community of designers in Dallas is very generous and very giving and extremely helpful. I don't think I've ever approached a designer and asked for help or asked for a reference or that they were just real closed mouth about it, which I've heard stories that that is kind of everybody's out for themselves. I feel like it's a very communal um, feeling and we want to help each other and some big events or, you know, our, our award ceremonies that we have locally in Dallas. And that's kind of fun because we all get dressed up and we have a nice dinner and we get to see each other. And sometimes we're so busy, you know, just going our day to day. We don't get to run into each other as often as possible. And then the design district in Dallas too is, kind of just all local centralized, which I guess it is in most places, but you run into a lot of designers there and it's, you can catch up and, you know, ask questions. How's your business going? I'm looking for this. Um, but it's also gone. I'm in a forum that it's nationwide where a lot of designers are on the, the forum and we can talk and ask questions. So again, that's where technology kind of comes in and, um, expands you outside your circle more than maybe it would have been in the past. Yeah. Is there, is there a signature event? Signature event. Show a show how, you know, a design house, a a show house. um, You know, is there a trade show? Is there, what is, is there a signature event? There used to be Metricon, but it did not occur this year. And I'm not sure why. Um, but Metricon, 
was kind of the big event of the year that they would have classes and then they would have vendors come in and um, they always had the legacy of design event, which is an award event. I think it was the opening night or yeah, I think it was Thursday night and then it started on Friday. So, but they didn't have Metricon this year and I'm not sure why that is. I haven't been able to go because we always go on vacation during the week at Metricon. Ah. In town. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so what would you say is what's the, what's the future look like for, for the design trade? And I'm curious because you're working on something yeah. that we'll talk about in the, you know, at some point in the future. But right now, what is what is the what does the future look like for for design? Do you think um, when I look at it when I look at a city and I look at the strength of an industry, I, I see I see how the industry has changed in and of itself, which it certainly has. But I also look at right. how, how the how the industry sort of advances. Um, and this is an artistic endeavor. What are you, what are your thoughts uh, for the future? couple of things that are happening right now in the design community um, that are forcing forcing the change of design, right? And one of the big things is, is consumer behavior. Um, the availability, I mean, I, availability of products online versus what we can get for our clients. And so what I think that you'll be seeing more is a lot more value put on the design process and concept and what the designer comes up on and a little bit less on the procurement side of design. So I'm even seeing that with some of my higher end projects that I work on, um, which is really unusual. I think, again, I think you'll always have the full service available where everything goes to the client and, because a lot of, you know, people when they're paying for that level of service. But I think that what the future is, is that you're going to see different levels of service that designers are going to collect what they deserve to collect on their concept fees, but then put it in either um, another firm's hand to do all the procurement installation or put it on the client's to do the procurement and installation and charge accordingly. Interesting. So back, back to really what, what design has, has always been. And it's the, it's the artistic side sure. and the, and the creation. Right. Um, how many projects, how many projects do you work on a year? Do you think full projects on average? Hmm. Um, gosh, could be anywhere from 20 to 35. How do you manage that volume of work? Um, cause that's a lot. It is a ton. And when you say full projects, they're not always full homes. So a full project to me could be a kitchen, right? Somebody oh, I wants see. to run their kitchen. Okay. So so 
let's just clarify that because it would be there's no way that I could do twenty five to <laughs> or twenty right. to thirty five home, full home. Right. So you know, not everybody comes to me to do a full house. Um, full houses take an immense amount of time. I worked on one house in Austin, and the whole project was two years in the making and um, it's not unusual for a full house. So, um, so, you know, they, I, what I do is I try and stage it in phases. So as I'm working on two or three projects in this one phase and it moves into the next phase of design where I can maybe hand some of my work over um, to, to my assistant, then she can kind of do the ordering and the following up and the, the communication with the clients, which frees up my time to actually do what I'm good at, the design. And um, so that's how I balance it. So it's kind of just, an, you know, preparing the clients, like I'm this far out when I can start your project. But then when I start their project, that it's starting in a phase that not too many other projects are in, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Um, so managing, managing the work seems like one of the one of the biggest challenges. And you only have one other person working in your office. Yes, <laughs> I get up at four in the morning now. Do you really? I really do. By yes. choice? Yeah. Well, by necessity. Oh, <laughs> not by choice. By necessity. Okay. So yeah, so I get a good a good jump on my day hours before anybody else in the house wakes up. Well, there you go. You know what? I definitely see the value in that. And everyone, everyone, what I found is that everyone who does this, if you're not bound by the clock, you know, you don't have to be in an office at a certain time where you leave at a certain time, then you can pretty much make your own hours and do what works for you. Right. I, I think it's, I think it's great. I think it's great. Right. Um, Kim, this has been so great. I really appreciate the time. Yeah, absolutely. This is this has been great. It's been you have so much energy and you're so easy to talk to. So oh. this is wonderful. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um and we're You do your job well, Josh. You th- do it well. <laughs> thank you. And we're I'm definitely gonna follow up with you. Um when is yes, when is this do. when is this amazing secret project of yours gonna gonna so launch? It it is it is not going as quickly as I want. I do have somebody that I am working with that kind of does more of the technology side of it and is helping me build it but it is a platform and it is um it's a platform for high-end level interior designers a place where they can expand their brand and kind of utilize um the the without saying too much with utilize all of the followings that they get on social media and the people that want and desire to have them as designers and don't think that that is an attainable thing that they can do. This is a platform that kind of, or that does that lets that consumer and lets that designer meet, but the designer, um, without saying too much, because it is new in the game, um, doesn't take too much resources from the designer, but still gives a quality product to the end consumer. So, yes, I will I will reach out to you when we are ready to kind of launch it. And um, I think it's really, really a um, 
it's a way for the future for interior design. It's, it's, a gr- it's something that came to me over the years and years and years of thinking, having multiple coaches that I've listened to and people that I follow and seeing the path of design and seeing how technology has expanded or how technology has tried to reach the people in that way but has failed. Yeah. And so it just kind of fills in the gap and um, kind of brings everything full circle. So, yeah, I, I will love to talk to you about it in the future. Very cool. I will be checking back yeah. with you. Thank you, Kim. That was great, and I truly appreciate the time. Please subscribe to the show so you can catch every episode of Lone Star House of Design and Convo by Design. Ask Alexa or Siri, say, hey, Siri, play Convo by Design, and she will. You can follow the show on the socials as well as at Convo by Design with an X on Instagram. And check out the YouTube channel for videos from some of your favorite episodes, like perhaps this one. Thank you for listening, and until next week, keep creating. (laughs) 